the name of the values that keep you alive do not let your vision of man be distorted by the ugly, the cowardly, the mindless, and those who have never achieved his title. Do not lose your knowledge that man's proper estate is an upright posture, an intransigent mind, and a step that travels on limited roads. Do not let your fire go out sparked by replacing the spark and hope the swamps of the approximate are not quite the not yet and not at all. The world you desired can be won. It exists. It is real. It is possible. It's yours. Hey guys, welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. I'm here with Tim Karsliev. He is the founder of Daily Dose. Thanks so much for being here, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. And you yeah. did not butcher my last name, bro. I was like, <laughs> good <laughs> yeah. job, bro. That's all I got to say. Well, where's really that? Uh, where's that last name from? I remember on your last podcast you said uh, you were half Armenian, I think. Yes, half Armenian, half Greek, but the last name itself has nothing to do with any one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys. So yeah, it's the history behind it. Just to keep it short and simple, is back in the day around 1915 when a genocide was happening, both for the Armenians and the Greeks. Um, so again, I don't know all the major details, but basically, you know, they decided to change the name, the last name to survive or something. Something like that sounds like, you know, for my for my generation to not be, I guess, killed, you know? Yeah. So they changed the last sense. name, so it blended in. Yeah. With, yeah. I mean, my, mine doesn't blend in too well, so. Yeah. So, but other than that, just never changed it. You know, my dad never did, but his his sisters and stuff changed it. Interesting. Okay. That makes sense. Well, I mean, I guess just to sort of jump right in, it'd be great if maybe you could go over a little bit of your background, you know, the pages you run uh, and how you how you sort of got started with all of it. Yeah, so um, I'm the founder of Daily Dose. I'm also a co-founder of Gentleman's Mafia, Impact Billions. Uh, at end of 2014, you know, I was, I was in healthcare for about 10 years and somehow I ended up getting on social media, which was just for, you know, shits and giggles didn't realize it was actually one of the best things that actually I was getting into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had no idea at the time, but I was in healthcare for about 10 years of time. I was a senior executive for about six years of it in the health industry. And it was all about bureaucrats and all the, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know how it is when you go to corporate, when you go to, you know, when you go to school or anything in that sort, you're thinking about, Hey, you know, stepping up into the corporate world and, you know, the ladder and you want to climb up to the best and this and that, but you know, it's just hella boring. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, the, it's a lucrative industry. People, some people love it, but to me, I just got really tired of it. I was super passionate about it. In 2015, I actually went full on to social media. Uh, some of the accounts that I do own also in the same time as I also own Gentleman's Mafia, Billionaire Inc., Visualize Wealth. Um, there's a lot. Uh, you know, I don't want to go into every single detail, but yeah, yeah it's kind of like but Daily Dose I mean, is actually the main source for me right now. Biggest one I have. Yeah, a lot of those accounts, they're, they're accounts I've been following for a while. You know, I'd wake up every morning, I'd scroll through, and I'd be like, all right, I'm sitting around, i got to go do something. So it's served, you know, a lot of inspiration, just in my case alone. Uh, and back to some of the medical stuff. Uh, so when my dad, uh, my dad's side of the family fled Lebanon during the Civil War, uh, and they came here as refugees, and then uh, my dad started uh, LA Orthopedic Center. 
so he was an orthopedic surgeon. So I worked there, you know, every summer and I did an internship at a biologics company. I helped write a nanotechnology textbook. My aunt's an ER doctor at Huntington Hospital. So I've been around the, uh, the medical industry and, you know, I, I definitely feel there's, you know, way too much bureaucracy once, once you've been there, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, more later, I think. So when you started these pages, what was, what was the goal you had in mind? Were you trying to inspire people? Were you just trying to build a community? Uh, what was sort of the idea you had? Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, in the beginning, it was just literally, you know, everybody gets on social media, they're posting their food and their selfies and things like that. So I thought social media was the opportunity for me to like meet some women, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I was busy, you know, like all that. Like, I mean, obviously I didn't use any of those dating apps, but I just thought, hey, you know, post some pictures, get some likes, you know, maybe some girl out there might like you or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> get that dopamine hit. <laughs> but, yeah. So, but other than that, and I remember I had like 60 followers, to be honest with you. And it was just literally, I was putting out pictures of me and then somehow I started putting um, motivational content like very aggressive content too. Like, you know, no one gives a shit about you. <laughs> Do something with your life. Who gives a shit? Stop being petty, you know? Yeah. No one's going to be there to help you out. You got to make yourself, <laughs> you know, like things like that. Very aggressive. And then now it's, I mean, now I do, I still have that, but except it's a lot more, you know, nicer, a little more inspirational, positive. Yeah. Not as aggressive, but I knew that people were totally uh, consuming the information I was putting out there. So I realized like, holy shit, people like this stuff. And at the same time, I was in a corporate world. So <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it made sense when I was in a corporate because the corporate world was really aggressive. Nobody, you know, really cared. You fail, sorry, peace out. Yep. You know, we're going to hire somebody else to do the job. Or, you know, if you're the CEO, you fail, sorry, we're going to find a new CEO. So the aggressive put in there. And it worked out really well because, you know, uh, you know, what I did is at the same time when I realized I was really small, I realized at the same time there was other people doing it. Like uh, Steve uh, Mahez, you know, one of my partners, uh, Jason from Millionaire Mentor, you know, before 5 yep. a.m., Build Your Empire, Achieve Impossible, you know, School for Success. I mean, I, I can't even think of all the names. Farrakh from Mr. Good Life, like, you know, all these guys. So I reached out and said, hey, we need to create a, a network. So and we were all small. I think I was the smallest from everyone in a sense, maybe. So we just started growing together. We uh, started collaborating together. And real quick, within a year, we're, we just had probably massive growth in 2015. So do you know, you know why that growth sort of started? Do you think once you sort of get to a certain amount, it just spreads fairly easily? Or do you think it was the network that got you there? So the network, yeah. So the network did a lot, for sure. Uh, it spread aside. Because at the time, I think at that time, there was only 200 million users. And then within two years, it went to like 800 million users. You know, it went wow. like crazy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. we caught a nice little wave of capturing the market cap, you know. But at the you same were... time, I did spend a lot of money growing and expanding the brand, brand itself, reaching other people, you know. So what were you spending? Were you using like Facebook ads or were no, you No, doing... not at all. It was really, literally, I was paying other large accounts who were in the millions to actually represent my brand out, spread it out. Yeah, because it seems like, you know, we, we did the whole Facebook ad thing back when we launched our first company. Uh, I think that was 2014. Uh, and, you know, we had a nightmarish time trying to get just our product in front of people. And it really seemed like there was this disconnect between the people who had these pages with millions of followers uh, and products. So 
I mean, that's that was sort of my next question was going to be, how have you guys found ways to monetize, you know, your following without running a lot of obnoxious ads and without needing to data mine the hell out of them, for example? Yeah, well, I mean, Instagram is, when you have a large account, especially us, and we had a massive network, it was easy to, to grow brands. For example, when Gary Vee and Ty Lopez and, you know, Andy Frisilla and all those guys were getting jumping on to social media, we were already big at the time. DJ Khalid and all of those cats, you know, so they were reaching out to us to actually promote them. Yeah. And, when wow. I was, and, I, and I was running massive campaigns for them. I see. So a so lot of those guys kind of got their start with your help, you'd say? I would say, yeah, most definitely. They, they, they contacted us because we were literally in the business community. And biz, the business community that we own actually is the most expensive network on social media. It's the most, you know, we probably charge the most money. Really? Is that because do you think your audience is more likely to be engaged or they're more likely to buy things? Or? Well, our audience is not, you know, basically we're not posting bullshit, you know, we're not posting comedy, we're, you know, all the time, even though we do have some humor, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it is a very mature crowd that's looking forward to doing something with their lives. And yeah, It's not like, oh, just a funny video, let me tag my friend. <laughs> yeah. Or, hey, it's not like just, you know... Something happened, like some disaster yeah. videos, you know, like scary. No, that's it was like literally motivation, inspiration, do something with your life. So people were more connecting to that stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. More entrepreneurs, more people who are, you know, going places. Yeah, um, in the business community, basically, you know. And the funny thing is we have Apple executives that follow us. We have celebrities, yeah. Oscar-winning celebrities who follow us. So it's pretty, uh, you know, we have kings and princes from Dubai and different countries. Like, it's pretty crazy. We don't even... We're blown away, actually, by who follows. Like, LL Cool J follows us. <laughs> wow. I've had DMX. I've had uh, Scott Disick, you know, from the Kardashian side. Of the yeah, family. yeah, I, like, yeah. repost my stuff. Snoop Dogg. Uh, P, uh, P. Diddy. I've done work for P. Diddy when he launched his, um, his, vid his movie about his life on Apple. Did that. So, I mean, we worked with a lot of brands. Yeah, and that's something I've noticed. Your branding is really great. You've done a good job of sort of pigeonholing what people are looking for and figuring out a way to display it in a way that engages people and motivates them. Uh, I remember sending those videos to all my co-founders when we were working late nights, uh, or all those, all the pictures, and I think it's really helpful to a lot of people. Do you get a lot of people reaching out and? You know. <clears throat> yeah, we get a lot. I get a lot of people. I'm not going to use the we because you know I'm pretty sure everybody yeah. else does too. We, I get a lot of people who reach out to me. I probably have, right now, if I even go through the DMs just within one of my channels, there's probably at least a thousand DMs in there that I haven't wow. had a chance to respond to. And I try to respond to people as much as I can. So it just, it's also the ripple effect. The bigger you get, the more people want to contact you, the more they want to utilize you. But, you know, I've actually changed my uh, style of working with people that if they're not spending at least a thousand dollars within our brand, I don't want to waste my time for a hundred bucks, you know, or $200 yeah, or $300. Sure. So your time I'm becomes to work more with, valuable. And plus I don't want to post one thing and take it down, you know? So it just creates a brand to damages the brand. Yeah. You have to stay loyal to the brand, you know, show people, make it uh, worth I'm, it. You know, like if anybody wants to be represented on a global scale on a brand, I want to make sure they at least pop up three times on my account. So it's not like, Oh, I just shouted this person out or post this person. Like if you're really serious, you got the money, you want to brand yourself, here's how much we charge, you know? 
And so, you know, I was reading through your site, some of the things you've done to expand without, you know, inundating people with ads, you found some more creative ways to monetize the business. Yes. I've, if you notice my account, 99% of the time, you won't even see an ad on my account. Yeah. I run massive campaigns for people. That's my goal. I mean, that's the way I make money. I also do PR, press, like Huffington Post, Forbes, Inks, New York Times, Wall Street, any one of those big publications, you know, I do that on the background too. Well, we might be needing some of that sometimes. So yeah, so we, I do a lot of things outside of the brand itself. The brand is almost like the image, you know, the company doesn't need to do anything. It just opens yeah. doors and allows me. And you know, I built like Sean Thomas from Ask a Millionaire. We helped him build that brand from scratch almost, you know, literally. And he's in the millions. Yeah, that's... <laughs> and right I mean, now he's mentoring thousands of people. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, it's created this this opportunity for anyone to go out there and start, you know, teaching people about different things, motivating them. I think, I think it's awesome. But uh, I mean, are you worried about any of the possible regulation that's coming up? So if we shift a little bit more to, to Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, you know, having done this for so many years, have you noticed certain trends? Uh, well, as far as yeah, well, they are suppressing the engagement for sure. But you know, now, we have big communities for like power likes, you know, if they call them power likes and all this stuff, like we used to already do this, you know, before we even named it power like. What I mean by that is like within our little small community, we'd be like, hey, bro, you know, when we post the rules are you got to go like our stuff, you know, you got to engage it, we'll engage you, you know, just a community. So now, but everybody's doing it, you know, so they're trying to go against the algorithm on that and it works. That's how all these <laughs> accounts go viral and grow real quick. So could you explain a little more like what a power like is and, and yeah. why they're going against the algorithm? Yeah, so what happens is, you know, let's say you have, you have a million plus followers, I have a million plus followers. So when you post something, I come and like it so it exposes your account to my audience because, you know, they're like, oh shit, Tim liked it, you know? So the people who get online, yeah. if they go on the other section outside of the Explore page, they'll see like Tim, you know, you know, you know there's like so many areas where you can go on your Instagram and you can see what your followers are liking, you know? Yeah, you can look at that. So when we do power likes, it, it pops up there. We could also do follows too. We could unfollow you and follow you. So it looks like we're following that person. Like, oh shoot, why is Daily Dose following this account? <laughs> Must yeah. be important. Like, I remember I grew one of my accounts by seventy thousand followers by just liking and following it and unfollowing it. I mean, a lot of people use bots to do that now, right? They have. Yeah, know, but we're doing it all organically. There's a big really? risk of you losing your account doing that three party, especially now with all that stuff Instagram and Facebook's doing. They're shutting down a lot of people. Yeah, that makes so that's sense. one thing we haven't done is one thing I highly recommend people not to do is not to use any third party apps for anything. You got that's why there's so much labor when it comes to Instagram because it's, it's manual labor, you know. Yeah, and there might be more restrictions as far as third party, uh, you know, API yeah, access coming up. Yeah, they've taken a lot of it down too. So which is interesting, like Social Blade is out, which allows you to see kind of like what's going on. And I noticed the other day I lost a few followers. It's like I was mad. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> followers. Yeah, it must have been something I posted any like. So <laughs> it happens, you know, but that's the industry. But here's the thing about it. I think regulation is actually, you know, going to, you know, Facebook has and Instagram has about 20,000 employees. There's over like 2 billion people who utilize these platforms. So there's no yeah. way they're going to be able to manage all this shit, you know. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of cracks and things like that. Mark talked about this lately. And, you know, you mentioned about the regulation. You know, he said he wants to, you know, get some A.I., you know, artificial intelligence that's going to manage and all that. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's really hard because when you own the account, you almost bypass everything as long as you're not really 
you know, promoting some bullshit, you know, lying to somebody, trying to scam somebody. As long as it's realistic, you're still going to be able to get around that, especially on your own channel. That's what the influencer market is such a powerful thing. So do you, you think it's pretty easy? Uh, I mean, I know I've heard a lot about people with, you know, I guess they're somewhat politically affiliated, but they're having problems with censorship or demonetization, I guess. So because the companies are so reliant on ad sponsors, uh, there is more censorship, I guess, as a result, uh, simply of the advertisers. Yeah, for example, you know that like even the crypto uh, space, you know, P Facebook and, you know, they're kind of like pushing out of it. If you're running ads, they yep. won't allow you. But I mean, you're more likely to get that ad out there by paying an influencer to, to market it for you. Like, hey, guys, you know, check out my product. You know, here's what it is. You know, it works a lot. It works. Absolutely. That, that's one of the products we're actually trying to put out, trying to bridge that gap a little bit between content creators and influencers. So sort of the way I think about it is Facebook has created this, you know, massive platform where they're, you know, trying to figure out everything about you so they can learn your interests, learn your likes, your purchasing behavior, uh, which really all stemmed from sort of Amazon's algorithms. Uh, but the problem is people just get inundated with crap because there's no endorsement of any of these products. And I think that's what people really care about is, is this page who I trust and who I've followed forever and who hasn't, you know, done me wrong before. Do they endorse this product? Uh, are they willing to put their reputation behind it? And I think that speaks volumes more than just, you know, seeing something laid about on your Facebook page where, you know, anyone can advertise, you know, even foreign governments, for example. <laughs> so, yeah. And I mean, and we stay away from those things too. Um, I mean, look, when it comes to foreign governments and things like that, they could literally bypass the whole Facebook thing by paying influencers. You know, they might yeah. spend a lot more money. I remember when Donald Trump was running for presidency and Hillary Clinton, I got, I had Donald Trump's campaign actually reach out to me and said, Oh, really? we want to, we want you to run a post for us. Are you okay with that? And I said, uh, I went, I, I don't want to even tell you how much I wanted to charge him. And I was like, yeah, hey, if I do anything, here's how much you guys going to pay because I know there's going to be so many people talking shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same thing with Hillary magic. Clinton. You know, I would have posted Hillary Clinton. They've been talking shit. So when you, you know, when you get into an arena, it's not the fact that people are going to like, oh, why are you posting this? Just there's going to be so many people that like it and so many people that don't. You're going to get both sides. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. they decided not to work with me because I tried to charge arm and a leg because it's not worth it. But again, they can bypass all that without running ads by paying influencers big money. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's going to be the future going forward is influencers are going to start getting paid a lot more for the content. Because I think the problem is a lot of influencers don't know what they're worth. Uh, like, you know, for example, I winter formal <laughs> of my high school year, I was uh, I invited a girl. I think her name is like Steela Babe 09 or something on YouTube. But she's got like 10 million followers uh, on uh, on Instagram and wow. 5 million subs on YouTube. Uh, and, you know, she was making more money than her parents, but, you know, the numbers she had were far, you know, well beyond what she was making in paid endorsements from these companies. She was getting, you know, she didn't really have the business sense, so she was getting really screwed when you think about, you know, the Super Bowl having, what, between 10 and 30 million people watching, you know, for a couple hours and then you have five to 10 million people watching everything that you do and also trusting you enough to buy whatever you recommend. Uh, I think that's a huge advantage that some people, some people have in this, this arena that, you know, the platforms like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, uh, they've kind of taken advantage of 
these people because they're doing all the labor. They're bringing the people to the platform. They're creating the content. Uh, and then they're really not giving them much for bringing eyes to the screen. Yeah, but I mean, it's again, it just changes your whole lifestyle. Now it's, you have a lot of freedom in this, you know? Oh, exactly. Uh, I think, do it. yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, it's creating a new, a new form of entrepreneurship where, yeah, it's like a know. new career, you know, instead of going to college, you're going to YouTube, you're going to Facebook, you're going to Instagram and they're making exactly. tons of money and it's just taking over the industry. <laughs> it's a lot more fun too. think about yeah. this, you know, instead of you having a job, having to go somewhere, I don't want to ever go back to a desk. I'm being honest with you, you know, like one of my things is like, and I'm happy that I've been fortunate to be successful in what I'm doing. Yeah, no, I, I got a degree. It's hanging on the wall. Cool. You know, I, I know I can go back anytime I want if I get bored. Yeah. But no, you know, there's so much to do. So, you know, it's so interesting. You're connecting with new people all the time. Other people are doing things with their lives. They're hustling and just learning new things and just moving forward, making more money. Exactly. There's so much. There's over a thousand ways you can make money on social media. So you can help somebody promote their brand. You can create a product. You know, you could run a campaign. You could do PR. You could literally be a consultant. You know, I mean, there's like you could do everything you want almost on social media because the internet's there. Yeah, I mean, that's funny you mentioned the degree. I mean, I, I graduated from college, but it's been worthless to me. And so many of the kids I know, a lot of them coming from, you know, really great schools have had, you know, they still don't have jobs. Uh, and, you know, Pablo, who put us in touch, he's our uh, CMO, and he's going to come on tomorrow, I think, because our audience hasn't heard from him yet. But, you know, he skipped skip college entirely and he's doing way better than most of these people and so you know taking yeah, a different path exactly it's i mean it's stressful but it's fun at the same time because you're you know you just never know where the journey is going to take you you know i got some big contracts right now lined up in place like it'll be probably the first of its kind on social media some of the contracts will be the first so like the the business model behind them you think will be different yeah well what i'm trying to say is like you know like you know, there's a couple other, a couple of videos I uh, listened to a couple of weeks ago, and I don't want to endorse anybody by mentioning their names, yep. or you know, I don't know if I have the rights to even mention them. But you know, there's about eighty to ninety billion dollars annually being wasted on thirty-second videos, you know, commercials on television. That's slowly going to move towards social media, and these are all multi-billion-dollar companies. So I've been fortunate enough to actually have some of my partners sit down with all these billionaires now, and they're moving their contracts and everything <laughs> into social media, like saying, hey, you know, we don't want to do that 30 second commercial and spend $2 million when we can spend $2 million annually with you guys, you know? Yeah, the conversion rates are abysmal. Uh, I mean, yeah, especially. And, it, and it's brand equity too. Yeah. You're capturing market cap on social media. You don't need to be on CNN no more. You get what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. You could be on every channel there is. Yeah, I mean, no, no one's watching. And even even things like Google AdWords, I mean, you're paying, but you don't know when your ad is popping up as a pop-up or, you know, they've intentionally made it very vague for people so they don't really know where their their ads are showing up and who they're in front of, uh, just these sort of vague categories. But it almost seems like the targeting of some of these Instagram accounts is even better because you're doing it by interest and passion. And so the people there, you know why they're there. Yeah, well, here, at the end of the day, but it's it's just having an audience. You could have a comedy channel, for example, you know, with two million people there who are watching your videos. You have eyes and ears already there, so you could literally almost cater anything to them. As long as something that you think might be, like, cool and exciting, you know? Like, for example, let's say I'm giving away a trip to Hawaii for free, you know? Yeah. Even if it's a comedy page, people are going to be like, holy shit, hey, man, I'm interested in that, you know? <laughs> 
Like it, you know, it'll go yeah. from laughing to still being interested in like a Hawaii trip because everybody wants to go to Hawaii. For example, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure everybody does, but <laughs> again, that might still you know capture attention of some of your audience where they might be interested. So at the end of the day, just having having ears and eyes on your you know on your content, that you can slowly you know drip whatever you want to them. Do you think it's going to be harder for new people to get into it now that you know it's saturated with so many accounts and so many people? No. That sort of. Not yeah. at all. If you do the if you do it the right way, you'll grow. Uh, you know, we've been growing accounts. You know, last since 2015, so it hasn't been an issue, and we're still doing it. Um, it's not as long as you know. Which, as long as you have content. I mean, obviously, I can't promote you if you're posting your selfies 24 seven. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work for sure. You know, you got to re- provide some kind of value. Whether it's comedy, whether it's articles, whether it's publication, whether you're taking some great pictures. You know, you have a photographer, you're out doing something, video, all that stuff. Just got to provide something for people. You know, that, yeah, that's something Pablo talks about all the time. He says, you know, you got to give to receive. You got to give people something. So that's, you know, that's why we don't, we don't run ads on the podcast or anything like that. Uh, just because, you know, I don't, think, I don't think you need to do that to make money. I think a lot of people need to get creative with their business models, and they really haven't. I think that's one of the problems Facebook, Twitter, etc are having is they've stuck themselves within this business model and they really haven't moved away from it there hasn't been uh any push to get them to change how they're thinking about these ideas uh, and that's something i think i think crypto may be able to help with so we've been experimenting with you know cpu mining for engagement so you know instead of instead of essentially becoming the product yourself getting sold on something so in the hopes that you'll buy it uh, but in the process, being exposed to God knows how many ads you don't care about or with malevolent intent, uh, you have your computer become the product. Your computer is you know, running the network. The computer is doing the work while you sit there and you get paid to engage, essentially. Um, and so I think there are some interesting ways you can tie crypto into it. And, and with that, you know, I was just wondering how you got interested in crypto and what your experience has been with it thus far. Well, you know, I got an, I got in the funny thing is I lost money in crypto because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, you know? Yeah. And that's like the thing that happened to a lot of people. <laughs> I think it's I lost, almost a badge of honor. It means you were playing around with it enough to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, I lost money in Forex too, you know, because I had no idea what I was doing. I was always looking for new ways to make money and expand, you know? And I got in the crypto game when it was like literally just peaking too, you know, when like, oh shit, you know? Uh, and it was like, I'd say November, I got in okay. November last year. So it wasn't bad. I had a nice little wave, made some money. I got into uh, ripple when it was 24 cents. I, I think I sold around like 275. I, f- I forget what it was like, something like that. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> that's, like, that's... It, it was peaking, you know? Yeah. You hit it and the rest, spot. but I made the money there, but I lost money on a whole bunch of other crap that I bought. That I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they weren't worth buying it. I'm sure you're not um, alone in that one. So, but I mean, I realized that, you know, somebody's, uh, I still have probably about $15,000 or whether up or down in the crypto industry myself because, I mean, I'm not a big investor in it, but, I mean, it's still a lot of money. Um, I'm just waiting for someone to kind of little do a turnaround or some might die, one might go up, you know, things like that. So yeah, the crypto industry is exciting because it's a new wave and it's not going anywhere, I have a feeling, you know. It just goes ups and up and down for a little bit. You've got to ride a wave and... Hop out. What really screwed me up in the beginning was day trading. 
You know, I had yeah. no idea anything about day trading. Just though. gambling, essentially. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I caught a few of them, like really nice wave one time, like six hundred dollars a day, like three hundred bucks a day, like doing you know minimal trades. It was stressful too, bud. Yeah, it's twenty four hours a day. You don't even have a chance. To yeah, sleep. so now I said, hey, you know what? After like I think end of January, I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna. Buy and hold. That's it. I don't want to do shit. This is like stressful. I'm probably, I'm losing money. Yep. I was uh, losing all the gains by day trading, you know, I was gaining something, but <laughs> yeah. if I would have left it alone, it probably would have got up way better. Yep. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, it, it's a problem. A lot of people have, I think they get, it, cause it's exciting. You know, you just see money essentially being printed for you when you win. Uh, but the losses add up psychologically, I think. Yeah. And we are working actually towards, uh, not full speed right now, but eventually towards our own coin or token, however you want to do it. I don't want to disclose any information, right? But we have a probably crazy model around it. I think it would probably get a lot of people excited to jump behind it uh, in the near future. But I mean, <clears throat> I know that there's a lot of opportunity because it brings the global community together, you know, under the one currency model. Exactly. I think it's only a matter of time. I mean, you think about back when each state had their own money, you know, it's, it's progress. Eventually there's going to be a one world currency. It just makes commerce way more efficient. Uh, and you know, it's, they're going to be some growing pains, the right people. I think, I think the problem right now is it came too quickly for the people who would put up resistance to get entrenched enough, <laughs> uh, so that it didn't jeopardize their own business. And that's what's sort of happening now, even today, you know, tax day, you saw, I think a 10% increase in the value of Bitcoin uh, right before tax day because people are trying to move their assets over. I know even the Rockefellers are getting into crypto now. So I think it's here to stay for sure. Cause I, you know, I've been doing this since 2013. So I lost money in Gox, you know, I've been day trading and you know, I did Forex markets before that. Uh, but you know, you notice it's not going away and people have tried very hard to push it down, especially with, all the stuff with the dark nets, you know, it got, as far as branding goes, that was a pretty terrible way to get a start. Uh, and we're still growing out of that in my opinion, but I, I think you're totally right as far as it being here to stay. It's just, yeah. you know, it's a matter of Mom, what is here to stay and uh, where the value is going forward. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of value and the thing is, it's just, you just don't, you still just don't know what's going on. But you also want to be part of it. It's always kind. Of, it was kind of like social media, you know. I didn't know where the hell that shit was going, but I knew there was something there, you know. So I just continually uh, committed to it, to doing it. And sometimes in life, you're gonna hit, you know, situations where you gotta kind of. I'm not gonna say be stupid, but not blindly go into it. But if you see the opportunity, pursue it. You know, don't yep. hesitate. You, it might not be like, oh my god, the craziest shit that's happening to you, but it's gonna be way better than that happening to you than you sitting there and nothing happening to you. Cause people were making fun of me, you know, on social media, for example. Really? Yeah. They're like, why are you posting memes, you know, or like quotes and stuff like, Oh, Tim. Da, da, da. And then when I hit a million followers, like, Holy shit, dude, this guy has a million <laughs> followers. Like, Oh yeah. bro, can we hang out? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just funny. Yeah. Well, you know, people feel bad that I think they're not doing anything themselves. So it's easier to mock someone than, than to hop on board because you know it's always a risk so you have to be that's i've i've been lucky enough to be you know i've never been a risk averse person i always double down and i've always i've always hopped on the next train to see where it goes and worst case you know you learn a lot and that's what people don't realize is even if you lose you still win 
to some extent. Well, I'll tell you something. Not, you know, the oldest rule, you're not playing, you're not winning, you know? Yeah. Mark, you know, everything in the game is um, the only way you can win is if, if, like, I mean, the lottery itself. If you don't play the lottery, there's no chance you might win that shit, even though there's a billion people playing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But this is a little more, I mean, just put the idea behind it. It's not playing a lottery. It's being involved in it, you know? Uh, so you figure out what's going on. Same thing with social media. If you're not in it, you're not going to know. If you're not into crypto, you're not going to understand the industry. You're going to go blind, blindly in it because some guy is going to tell you, oh, this is the best thing ever. Go buy some. And you have no idea what it is because Joe told you you're going to go buy it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons we started our new site because, you know, our guys have been following this forever. And we just noticed so much crap being pushed around. And a lot of it is hedge funds who are trying to get you to take the other side of a bet or it's someone just trying to sell you garbage and take your money and run. And I think there's been less of that, which is good. Uh, but there's always going to be that person. And, and tying that back, you know, in high school, I remember, uh, I, I still to this day, I have kids asking me, you know, how, how did you do all this stuff? You know, how, how can I get started? And the answer is just don't, you know, don't sit on your ass. If you're sitting on your ass at home, you know, watching TV, nothing is going to happen to you. It doesn't just miraculously happen. You have to get out there. You have to do something, at least meet people, um, become a part of, of something, get interested. Uh, and that's, I think the hardest part is just taking that first step. And then once you're in it, you know, it, it's not that hard to meet people and, and figure out ways to exist within these industries that are sort of fringe right now, but becoming more mainstream as a lot of the traditional jobs are dying out. Uh, you know, I don't think manufacturing is here to stay. And if it is, it's going to be automated fairly soon. So we have to find new ways to employ ourselves and you know you've done exactly that yeah i mean it's been a journey bro up and down <laughs> stress anxiety from it you know not knowing what the hell's going on but it's it's exciting you're living life you know you're i mean some people don't have the opportunity to do it like that but i've been fortunate you know that i committed to this and figured some things out and just decided to ride a wave and who knows where it's going but i know i'm it's it's going somewhere great, you know, it's fun and it's exciting, you know, it's not boring. It's, I'm not, most definitely, I'm not in my comfort zone at all, you know, 24-7 is a roller coaster ride, up, down, up, down. Yeah, you have to be, I think, mentally capable or mentally, uh, mentally prepared for all those ups and downs because they're always going to come. But if they don't, then then what's the point, I guess? You know, I, I, I know a guy who graduated you know, top of his class, you know, best business school in the world. Uh, and you can get a job at some consulting company and, you know, your next vacation is retirement. You know, that's, that's how a lot of these guys think about it. They're like, you know, why don't you go to Europe? And they'll say, well, you know, maybe when I retire, because you get, you get trapped in this sort of cycle. Yeah. And so it's called if, the poverty circle, man. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's probably never going to be, you know, poor for sure, but you're also, there are other freedoms you lose, I think. And that's, that's something important that people don't realize often is, you know, you're trading something for security and peace of mind and you're never going to get to the highest highs uh, if, you don't, if you aren't willing to suffer through the lowest lows. Yeah, well, if you're not willing to, you know, go through the hard times, man, sometimes you don't deserve the good times too. But, I mean, sometimes some people are lucky, man, in life. And I was never that lucky and fortunate. I had to work really hard for everything. So, and that goes for like 99 percent of the majority of people 99.99% of people that are there so when you're when you're working in the healthcare sector 
you know, what was it that really made you want to move on? And uh, if we, we can maybe tie this back to blockchain, which I was hoping to do, find some of the some of the parts of the healthcare sector that really could be made more efficient, things that you noticed that were in deep need of, you know, modernization, because uh, that's something that's been talked about is <clears throat> blockchain applications all over from healthcare, medical records, uh, to just yeah. patient scheduling, you know? Yeah, that's uh, still not, a lot of uh, waste I mean, you know, even the EMR, the electronic medical records and things like that, you know, they're still not connected with other technologies, you know? So it's almost kind of like if you got one for all your hospitals, that's cool. You know, you guys get to utilize Epic, for example. Someone else gets to utilize like NextGen. You know, they're all big software companies. And again, again, it limits you because if I'm with Epic, I don't have access to NextGen. And if you're coming from a different hospital system, this one, we still got to ask them for information and all that stuff. So that creates problems. People end up doing repeat, you know, repeating services. That, a lot of problems in healthcare happens to a lot of repeat services too, you know. And... And that's where I think a lot of costs could be actually can't, you know, kicked out. But yeah, my background was healthcare for 10 years. And before that, we didn't have EMR when I got in the industry. Some, some doctors had their own personal, you know, but it just sucked the fact that you had to do everything manually and then you had to request and send a fax in, you know, it was so slow. <laughs> yeah, that was my entire summer job was just filing and pulling files back and forth, <laughs> you know, so you had a whole person. And even, even when the electronic systems came in, just the transition of teaching everyone the new system and moving every file into it by you know scanning each paper uh, it was a nightmare i think a lot of people just kind of put off and still today you don't have that yeah and you'd be surprised some of these big companies like you know kaiser permanente and things like that they've been using it but it's still it's almost like their own little internal network you know yeah, exactly. And you know your dad's, you know your dad's practice. He's gonna have to probably still get filed paperwork and things like that, faxed in, filed in, you know, take it, upload it, scan it in, all that stuff. It's still doing that, which is still costly. You know, they're killing trees still at, at the end of the day. So, so what was your involvement in the sector more specifically? What did you? Oh, I was more in the development. Like for example, like, um. I could literally build a health center from scratch from uh, what I'm talking about, from building specs to Title 22, Title 24 regulations to hiring employees, you know, doctors, providers from policy to procedures to orientation manuals, you know, to education and training. I did everything you wow. can think of other, other than clinical work. You know, I helped okay. write a lot of policies according towards, you know, of course, healthcare laws and things like that, you know, within a limitation of what doctors can do. But yeah. Doctors were the ones who wrote up basically the standing orders like the medical director. But I did everything. I could build a health center from scratch, including licensing with the state of California, since I live in the state of California, but it, yeah. maybe any state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I worked for, uh, I was building FQHCs. They're called federally uh, health care centers, federally qualified health center. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. So the government gives you a large grant annually once you become an FQHC official. First, they're lookalikes. There's, I think, about 1,500 of them nationwide. There's a big portion of the healthcare funds that goes towards the allocated towards that. So are they like clinics or they're, they're clinics? They're okay. primary, they're primary care facilities, which are basically PCMYs, which is primary medical home. Um, and what it does is it allows, let's say a primary care doctor uh, clinic, which is run by a nonprofit to have orthopedic dentistry, you know, you have your own 340B drugs, which is a lot cheaper medication because the government gives you a reduced pricing. I mean, you could literally have the whole 10 yards within that primary care facility if you want. 
like you can have mental health, you can have, uh, you know, whatever shrinks there. You, I mean, you can have counseling, you can have your, you know, your own medication, your own surgery center, like you can have the whole 10 yards in that primary care facility, which becomes part of the FQHC. It is what it does. The government gives you a cap, like county services. You know the county clinics. When you yep. go there, they kind of same thing, except on a more private nonprofit base. Okay, that makes sense. So, I guess while you're building these, I mean, so you get to sort of start from scratch. Um, I've done that a couple times. I've even saved a whole bunch from collapsing too, which was scary. Organizations. Yeah, I'd imagine that. Yeah, so that, that seems like a huge problem. Is you know. it's a big stress, dude. <laughs> say that. I was really passionate about the industry. I still am. I love the fact that I help people save some lives, you know, create a health center in places that nobody gave a shit about, you know? We were, yeah. literally, we were building health centers, and where in that community, the only thing there was a McDonald's and a freaking police station and a recycling wow. place, you know? And everybody ate hamburgers. Yeah. Like, super unhealthy. And the houses were all boxed up, you know, like a community that nobody gave a shit about. And we were building health centers in those kind of places where those people didn't, so they didn't die. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where they need them the most. I think, and that's what I think is kind of unfortunate is, you know, if, if these things were done more efficiently, you'd have so much more money to spend on all these things that are, you know, really lacking right now. Yeah. Uh, And don't forget data. You know, we talk about Facebook data, Instagram, all those big, you know, companies, if the system was done the right way, because I mean, Every FQHC and hospital has to do something called a UDS report, which means annually you got to talk about how many of your clients' patients, you know, were had hypertension or their glucose levels were high, which is like diabetes was, you know, and all that stuff. You got to tell them all that stuff. How many were pregnant? How many had this happen? How many were women with this? You know, you send that data manually inputting it in, you know. And the problem behind that is these guys basically could put in the data however they want, so they look good. But when, <laughs> but when the system can automate that information from you from just patient experience. I mean, just going to make the life easier because your data is going to be a lot more accurate and you're going to know that your clinic needs to f- focus more on women, for example, women's health. Yeah. You know, right now they don't even know what to focus on. They focus on everything. Yeah, that's something I was thinking about. You know, wearable devices and monitors, I think, are going to be hugely important going forward because you can catch all of this stuff much earlier on. And a lot of the problem seems to be, you know, there's so much spe- specialization that you go and see someone for a general and they're probably just going to patch you up and get you out of there as quickly as they can. But you need someone following up, keeping an eye on certain things. Yeah. Um, and the thing about healthcare too is, you know, that I really it kind of breaks my heart is how the hospital systems actually don't give a shit about you unless they're getting paid, you know? Yeah. Uh, they'll just literally patch you up and like go home, you know? Yeah, and tie you know tying that in with the pharmaceutical industry, it's really interesting because the the whole insurance process has just made everything so exorbitantly expensive, especially if you're a cash patient. You know, they have these giant lists of what they're going to charge for you know an Advil, and it's like ten bucks, and that's so that they can negotiate with the insurance down to two dollars. And you know, it, they've created this whole system predicated on the idea that there's going to be an insurance provider, uh, and when it's not, it's typically the government (laughs) who's paying and they're getting screwed in the same way and it seems like you know at the hospital level that's that is probably where the biggest gains can be had especially if you're putting medical records and stats you know on a private ledger but on a blockchain you know you can get all this data anywhere it needs to go with you know certain keys to get into it Uh, and that's something 
I've thought a lot about because healthcare costs have just gotten insane, especially, you know, I spent a semester in Copenhagen, Denmark. So I got to see, you know, from the, the socialist point of view, you know, that's not where I stand, but, you know, you get to see how these things work in other countries. I think that's hugely helpful. And one of the main differences is everyone over there is so healthy, you know, they're biking 10 miles a day to work. Um, and so maybe the problems aren't as big, but the problems are very different everywhere we go. And we always try to compare ourselves to other places. Um, yeah. When we see someone doing it right, the better way you want to do the same thing. That's normal. You know, if you got a better strategy to it, why not implement that? It's not going to kill us, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, we're, we're multi, we're a $43 trillion GDP annually. You know what I'm saying? We're a huge economy. Like we're like wrapping around the world three times. Yeah. And we don't even have healthcare for our, you know, citizens, which is crazy. Um, you know, then we still have the middleman involved in it, which is the hospital. I mean, which is the insurance plans. I mean, think about it. when you go buy a mortgage, you go to the bank. You know, you don't go to the middleman guy who talks to the bank and says, OK, pay this guy, you know, yeah. buy a house. You're always dealing over here. We're dealing. We're going through, you know, from the hospital to the patient to the insurance companies. You know, there's a middleman just taking money for you. Yep. No, exactly. And yeah, there's just, I think. The problem is there's just the, there's so many p places where things can get held up, where there can be waste uh, and where people are just paying way more than they should. And they don't even know what it costs. There aren't, you know, price price lists in front of some doctor's office. You have no idea. Uh, and everyone wants the best care. Uh, and I think it's hard coming from a family of doctors to see, you know, all these doctors really do just want to do what's best for all their patients. I think, you know, my dad yeah. did tons of elective surgeries. Uh, so just giving the doctors the ability to be good people and giving them the time to do it, you know, if they weren't so busy taking notes after, you know, every single thing and dictating and running the office a certain way, you know, they have so much on their plate, but if you give them more time, I think most of them are really great people. They just don't tend to know how, to operate an office super well, at least in my experience. Yeah, I mean, a doctor should just be a doctor. They shouldn't be worrying about those stuff. Yep. And that's where it is when you start moving people out of their, you know, their area, they start doing things. Yeah, I mean, a doctor is essentially an entrepreneur in a lot of ways that never gets an education in it. Uh, and, you know, they've spent all of their time so focused on the medical aspect, they just get kind of thrown into all the rest of the stuff that goes along with it. And, you know, it takes some, takes some learning and a lot of them never quite catch up. Yeah. And it sucks, man, because they come out with the mortgage. Yeah. I mean, I, so I broke my hip when I was a senior in college or in high school. Oh shit, and, that sucks, uh, dude. Yeah. So that, that was, uh, let's see, cost me $60,000 for that surgery insurance, you know, luckily paid, but you know, $60,000 is more than most people take home in a year. Uh, and right after that, you know, they, they hook you up with the pain killers. And then once you come off those, you're still all messed up in all sorts of ways. So they put you on something else. And so, you know, seeing the system from the outside and then going through the system on the inside, uh, it's really interesting to see <laughs> how many, how many bad judgments there are and how, how much more money I cost the insurance company just because certain people weren't paying attention. Um, and a lot of people who don't have anyone looking out for them, you know, luckily coming from a family of doctors, 
you have a whole bunch of doctors within your network. You know who the best ones are, you know where to go. Um, but most people don't have that, so they go wherever they can. And the problem with that is you get a lot of shady doctors, I especially psychiatrists. I had a nightmare talking to those guys because they... You know, they're just willing to write you a prescription and have you walk out the door with, you know, whatever you really want. Um, and then you're hooked for life on those things because they don't really have a plan to get you off of a lot of it. Um, but, you know, that's a little bit of a tangent, but it is interesting to see where the sector is going and the grievances people have. And, you know, we're really not doing much to address the underlying issues. I don't think pouring more money into it is going to help necessarily. Um, but I think doing it more efficiently is really what needs to happen. You could even have, you know, you could have Medicare coins or something. You can track each coin through the entire system, see where it goes uh, at each peg, see what it's being spent on, how much is being spent. Uh, so there are all sorts of interesting applications that I hope, you know, the government especially will adapt with blockchain. Uh, to I do mean, some of that. To be honest with you, I don't know if you watched Mark's interview. With yeah, Facebook. I did. Dude, it was like, what are these guys <laughs> asking? <laughs> it was the way I put it was, you know, it was a bunch of old people trying to understand the internet while Mark was trying to understand how to talk to people. <laughs> yeah, like how do I talk to these guys? What are they talking about, dude? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just you know, comedy, one... and just just the fact that they're so disconnected, which kind of scares the shit out of me because they'll try to they'll start regulating things they don't even know what it is, you know. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they, they don't even read the bills anymore. They don't even lie yeah. about reading them. And that's that's actually my sort of superordinate goal is I'd like to run for Congress in uh, in our district in California. Oh, that'd be when cool, I, man. I'll vote for uh, you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, that's my If you run for goal. Congress, I'll run for Senate, bro. <laughs> hey, let's do it. But I mean, that's that's the thing. You need young people or at least, you know, younger people in there who get this stuff because this is clearly the future. And if you don't, pay attention you don't know what's going on beforehand you know you're gonna have to be taking uh, reactive measures all the time and those are never gonna be good for people because you're just you know trying to put a patch on something instead of thinking about it beforehand um, I mean have you have you been interested in politics is that something you well pay I mean to? well I mean Mike the healthcare career is very political here in Northern California especially when you got the capital right here in Sacramento you know yeah so I used to go to all the policy hearings. I've been to state secretary's office. And uh, I remember when, when uh, Arnold was president, he sent everybody brass bulls, bulls nuts saying, you guys got to do this <laughs> to make a decision, you know? So I've been to a lot of lobbyist uh, hearings and things like that. Some of my buddies were actually consulting the state of California, like the New America Foundation, Barrier oh, okay. Council. You know, I've, I've had, you know, some really powerful friends. Like, they're all elite. I, at one point, I was, I think, considered... If I remember right, uh, as one of the top ten elite healthcare professionals, wow. and I got invited by a House of uh, Representatives to go to Washington actually a couple times. Never went because I really don't didn't care much. But locally, I've been very involved because you know Sacramento is probably one of the most political industries when it comes to healthcare. It's all politics. Yeah, I remember I used to be involved in a program called Youth in Government, and we'd go up there every year and pretend. Uh, we were in in the legislature. They'd give us actual access. I think it was during one of their recesses, uh, and we'd go up there and you know pretend we were passing bills. Um, but it almost seemed like we were doing more than they were when we were there. Uh, and from what I've seen, you know, especially in California, it seems like the congressmen are not really thinking through the repercussions of a lot of the legislation that they go through. 
Um, well, I mean, they're just protecting their uh, constituents. You know, think about it. If you're the one donating money, big chunks of money, they could do a lot. You know. Yeah, exactly. I think. They're well, I think the problem. Your, I mean, it's money, as well. money in politics is actually in American politics is actually what dictates everything and somewhat civil, you know, civil rights and movements like that. Yeah, I think I think that can be some of the problem though. Is you know the money isn't necessarily with the constituents either. <laughs> so you know the money. Yeah, the a big, lot of big corporates. To go, yeah, it goes against the constituents' interests. Well, think about this, but and I, and I don't want to get into too much politics because. Sure. But at the end of the day, you know, let's say, let's say you're a candidate and the big pharma's and everybody likes it, you know, you, you got to do what they're saying because if you don't do what they're saying, they're gonna be like, okay, we're gonna bring up Tim next, you know, the next campaign is gonna be around yep. Tim. Sorry, but you know, sorry, Mark, we don't like you anymore. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna put a lot of money behind Tim. We're gonna make him look like Jesus. He's gonna win. <laughs> yep. You can go home and chill out, bro. You didn't, you know, you're not cool enough to hang out with us anymore. And Tim comes up now. Tim got to do everything they dictate him because they're the one electing him. Yeah, I think that's um, the problem too. You know, it's career politicians. I don't think that was ever the intention. Yeah, you know, and my, uh, one of my professors always said this: that you can be the most, uh, you know, you can be a person with integrity, morals, and values. As soon as you become a politician, you have none of that shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're gonna lose all that. It's it just it just automatically does that to you. So, yeah. but I mean, hey, guess what? It's a great business opportunity if you want to look at it that way. You want to mix. Most of these politicians go in with a with a public salary, come out millionaires. You're like, oh yeah, what I the know. hell? <laughs> it's like, huh? Those numbers don't. Like, think about it. It's like Hillary Clinton was a public servant for like 25 years. She's a billionaire. They're like, what kind of public service were you doing? Shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, All of them, you know, Maxine Waters. Yeah, even four Obama, houses. even Trump. I mean, every single one of these guys come out very successful. Like, dude, you got a 250,000 dollars salary. You live in a seven million dollar house. Yeah. How is that possible? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, if it was if I was doing that, the IRS and the FBI would be visiting me right now. Like, <laughs> hey, uh, okay, you make a quarter million dollars. How are you living this seven yeah, million it's, dollar it's house? Funny, dude? funny yeah. how that works. You know, I mean, yeah, that's, it doesn't that's make one sense, thing. Uh, you know, that's one reason I was really attracted to entrepreneurship because I've always loved you know all sorts of stuff. Uh, but you know, before I would ever run for office, I would want to be rich enough to never have to worry about that stuff and you know, also not want it so badly that I would compromise those things just to do it again. Um, and I think that's the problem is you have people who just want it so bad and that's really, you know, not what you want. Um, but interestingly enough, Trump actually, I think is down a billion dollars since getting elected. Oh, I wouldn't uh, be doubting it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm at the stage now in my life where I feel like if someone could help me save some money, I'm happy, man. You know, uh, they've yeah. already milked the shit out of me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, my exactly. taxes, because I'm, you know, single. I'm not married, uh, you know. So they take a lot of money from me, but and that sucks. Yeah. And I'm hoping, you know, like at least Trump, because you know none of these guys are really gonna do shit for us, bro. At the end of the day, yeah. if I'm really poor, thank God for all the, you know, community services out there that I can utilize. But I don't want to live at that level, so I gotta work and create my own, you know, uh, you know, everything, my own job my own career my own future my own health care you know i gotta pay for all that yeah. shit on my own no one's paying for that shit yeah you've built at the same it time yourself. i gotta help out people in my community who are in need you know yeah and i think that's the problem is just forcing that because i think most people left to their own devices are gonna help each other out and that's why i've always thought you know decentralizing everything is the key if you have a centralized government you're gonna have the least number of people happy because you're gonna try and broadly apply some one law to 350 million people instead of taking it to the city or state level where you know you could have a group of you know 10,000 people deciding the laws of their city and then those are the laws they realistically have to abide by during their life and if they don't want to then pack your bags 
go buy a place at the next city over. <laughs> um, and that's, I'm hoping the direction things go, but I do worry with some of the tech stuff, you know, it could get to the point where we're in a big brother kind of scenario uh, when you look at, you know, how much data a company like Google has on us. Uh, and also some of the things other countries are starting to test out. I don't know if you've, uh, have you looked into what China is doing at all with their, it's like a social credit score? No, told you that haven't. It's really interesting. So they've created the system. It's like a credit score for everything you do. And they've put enough cameras uh, in China that they can identify all 1.3 billion people simultaneously at any time. And so they're tracking people all the time. And if you jaywalk, then you get a nick. And if you, you know, really? volunteer, then you get a point. <laughs> yeah. And based on your score, you have access to certain things like buses or airplanes. Like, so they'll actually restrict you if you don't have good scores. And uh, so it almost seems to be moving in that direction. Like China is kind of a testing ground for that stuff. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it'll happen over there. They don't have much of a say, but it almost seems like what these companies were trying to do before Trump was a lot of that. And to some extent, Trump brought a lot of it to light. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, I, I guess I'm not sure where you stand as far as, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, obviously they've helped you massively. Um, but you know, would you be open to, to alternatives to some of those services? Do you think the brands themselves have become sort of tainted by a lot of this? Well, I mean, if you can reiterate the question, what do you sure. mean by that? Yeah. So you know, there is really one thing Zuckerberg kept getting asked is what is the competitor to Facebook? You know, where else can someone go? Uh, is you know, Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. We, yeah. I've already talked about this with my buddy. So the reason the reason Facebook is actually doing good. See, they kept Facebook and Instagram separate in a sense. And Facebook is actually uh, Instagram is a lot more of the influencer market space. because yeah. Instagram could have shut down the influencer market cap. But they've realized that if they shut down the influencer market cap and try to take over the influencer arena, they're going to be considered a monopoly. That makes sense. Yeah, that's, so that's them, exactly what Google did with Alphabet too. Yes. <laughs> so by them allowing us influencers to still make money off the platform, it doesn't make them a monopoly. But the minute they shut us down, the government will hit them. And they know that too. So they're utilizing that. And also they need us too at the same time. But yeah, they are powerful. And you know what? I don't want to have 50 different platforms, to be honest with you. I like yeah. the fact that we have one I can go there and talk to everybody. I, yeah. How many apps do you have in your phone? Like 30 apps, probably. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I don't want to have 30 apps. I got a shitload of apps, too. You know, like I want to make sure if it's Twitter, it's Twitter. If it's Instagram, Instagram. If you're, if you're using Snapchat, go ahead. You know, I don't even use Snapchat because yeah. they killed it, basically. But <laughs> I like the fact that I can go on Facebook and Instagram and it's enough for me to communicate with everybody. It's enough for me to find everybody. You know, and things like that. And I can Google search someone's name and maybe find a little more detail about them. You know, it makes my life a lot easier not having to go 50 different locations. Splitting them up doesn't make a difference. It's still, they're still going to be the most powerful. They're going to find a way to split it the right way. Yeah. And it's still going to be in their control. It's not going to change shit, dude. Yeah, no, I mean, I was thinking more of like an alternative. So if something else were to take, and I think that's where crypto is really interesting. And this is something we're trying to take advantage of in our business models is, in my opinion, tech's weakness, especially social media, is the lack of commerce. So you look at the size or the revenues of, you know, just 
really middle of the road uh, financial firms versus a company like Twitter where you have this huge brand exposure but you're making you know six hundred million dollars a year whereas Goldman Sachs took home 108 billion last year uh, so you know their weakness in a lot of ways is their ability to monetize I think and you can decentralize using blockchain you can decentralize a lot of these services and adding crypto you can reduce all of the transaction fees across the board so you have a lot of these content creators moving to patreon for example patreon i think is five percent plus 2.9 percent transaction fees uh, with crypto you can make it zero percent uh, you can make it two percent and still be making two percent profit for the most part um, and i think i you know i would love your take on this uh, you've probably, have you noticed a lot of, maybe not within your specific segment of the influencer market, but a lot of influencers moving more towards fan-sponsored uh, businesses as opposed to ad-sponsored? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I'm telling you. Most of the time people are doing actually fan-sponsored uh, uh, ads, you know? It looks like almost like it's organic, it's natural, they're collaborating and doing things. Ads are cool too, don't get me wrong. Just people just don't like seeing that shit. It looks yeah. weird. As soon exactly. as you see that sponsor sign, it just looks weird. Oh, absolutely. You think it's a scam? Yeah, no, not, it's not that you think it's a scam. It's just, just automatically not interested, you know? Yeah, well, I guess I was thinking like Yahoo News has sponsored news articles, and I think those are super misleading because you'll see tons of scams and things like that. Maybe not Instagram more specifically, but... Yeah, you, um, you can see that. Like, for example, like, you know, I think the scam part when it comes to... Uh, press or PR or anything like that as a publisher is, you know, when somebody starts lying about who they are and what they do, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to fact, ch fact check that information unless you're going to, someone's going to provide you their, you know, bank statements and things like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you just got to be careful about who you're publishing and you just got to do a little bit of review, see how the community interacts with them. If they like them, you know, then you put out some relevant information around a business. How long has the business been around? Those are things you want to look at. But yeah, social media is the avenue actually for crypto too. If I think the only way cryptocurrency is actually going to be moving forward is through social media, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I definitely Social media agree. actually made that whole thing pop off. If you really think about it, the whole Bitcoin being worth so much money yeah. was because of social media. Yeah, you have a lot of people you know, with the ability to network and come together to do things. People are getting uh, their news on social media, bud. 90% of people oh, get their hugely. news, on, if not more. Yeah, I think I think that's some of what people were worried about, you know, with with Facebook is of course who's the government scared, dude. Who's deciding what news you're seeing well, as well, you know? Well, not only that, I don't know if you've seen that article where Homeland Security is literally trying to hire people to keep chaps on influencers now. Really? Personalities, yeah. To see who has a following and if they're spreading certain ideas. Yeah, they're being intimate. They're, they're scared, dude, because now the power of social media, you know. Yeah. Like now I can get up and say something and like 70,000 people will see it, for example, you know, 100,000 people will see it. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, something they've talked about is holding these platforms responsible. For what? For what uh, I do? That's going to be hard, dude. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm saying is holding them responsible for illegal or illicit activity that happens. No, uh, that's like going to be no really hard because at the end of the day, it's going to be really hard. Yeah, you could take him to jail and all that stuff, but you're not going to be able to go to Facebook. Like, why'd you let him post fuck you, for example? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, dude, it's like freedom of speech. Number two, I can't monitor, like, every single guy and girl in the world and what they say. Obviously, we know, but, you know, you know, it's television. Yeah. Why are you allowing porno on television? Why are you allowing <laughs> some of the most nastiest shit on television, you know? Yeah, I think that's what people like 
about the internet is some of the authenticity. You know, you have the FCC telling you you can't curse and you can't, you know, do this and that, and it's it just feels fake. It feels too. Yeah, what, I mean, what are you gonna do? Put a rated R, rated R sign next to your freaking content? I mean, think about <laughs> it. You know, like oh, it's rated I mean, R, guys. what I worry okay. about. What I would worry about is kind of what's happened in the EU is they've passed certain hate speech laws, and so they'll imprison people for saying anything, you know, that can be interpreted as hateful, which is a very vague term. You know, anything can, can be hateful in theory. Um, but they actually have been monitoring a lot of these forums and picking people up, putting them in jail. Um, and so it's it's the selective enforcement that I think is worrisome. Well, look, I'll tell you something. If if they if, if they can control what you say, whether well, hateful, that means they can control what you say in any any category. So absolutely. When we start controlling society on saying you can say this, you can't say that, that means now we have option of telling you exactly what you what you can say and what you can't say. You know, when we allow government and people like that to dictate dictate, that's where the dangerous part happens. I'm not for hateful speech, hell no. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I don't, don't wanna, think anyone is. I don't yeah. want to because you know, tomorrow they might tell me that hey, you know, you need to say I love you every single time. Like, no, I don't want to say I love you every single time. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You should yeah, have it's... the most positive, encouraging, you know, stuff. No, I want to vent today, for example. You know? Yeah. That's not okay. You can't vent. You know, like yeah. what? So I mean, that's the factor. But I love the fact social media allows you to do that. Yeah, okay. You got account deleted. Build another one. Do it again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it just gives you that freedom. And I think that's why even the regulations not going to work too well. Because it's think- a community. Mark, Mark wants to keep it a community where we, you know, we are the contribute. We are the, he is the biggest publishing house, but he's not publishing. We are. Yeah. So do you think, you know, this is one thing that's really confused me. A lot of these social media companies seem to be doing things that are actually scaring people away or cutting into their revenues. So, you know, when YouTube starts to demonetize certain channels, you know, they're scaring away revenue or when Twitter blocks a bunch of users, you know, they're, they're pushing away, they're pushing away users and engagement. Uh, you know, do you think they're doing too much to curate their community a certain way and that they should leave people more free? Do you think they're sort of aware? Because it seems sort of antithetical to what you would want to do to grow a business. Yeah, well, they're trying to control the market cap, the market space too, as a business model. They just and sometimes they feel like they're losing control too. Which they, ha- I think they have. Instagram's lost control a long time ago. Yeah. But they like the fact that what we're doing on Instagram is there. Twitter, same thing. Twitter is doesn't even know what the hell they're doing to be honest yeah. with you. Um, so they've been losing since day one in the first place. But I mean, they there's companies thinking they know what's best for the community. They're thinking they know what's the best for you and. I was going to benefit everybody, you know, at the same time. And they're willing to take you out of the picture to make, you know, everybody else win, for example, including themselves. Yeah. I mean, I if think... you if you own 300 million in network on social on Instagram, I'm pretty sure Instagram company will look at you as a threat, you know? <laughs> and so would the government, you know, like cuz at any finger point you could put out ext- you know, what type of message you want to put out in the world and you get attention, you know? Yeah. They would consider you very dangerous. Of course, politicians and things like that would probably love you. Yeah, you could push a message out real quick according to their, you know, favoring them or whatever it is, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Including the product companies too. The brands would pay big money for that because you could put so much eyes on their product and their brand. I mean, Instagram, so social media is such a vital tool to every single business model that you're going to operate in life moving forward, you know. Yeah, oh, absolutely. If you're selling tires, cool, you need a social media account. You're selling pencils, you're going to need a social media. You're selling, you know, shoes, you need a social media account. You know, you're selling 
talking about crypto, you need a social media account. <laughs> what the hell are you going to talk about this shit if you don't talk about it there? Yeah, uh, it's it's the future. And I think that's one reason, you know, I think it is sort of unfortunate they've kicked all the crypto off of those, you know, especially, I guess, like Google AdWords, for example. It seems like Google could leave some crypto in there. Um, but do you think maybe they see it as a threat and that's why they did it? Um, no, I, I think I think what's happening really, to be honest, it's not even a threat. I think a lot of people lost money. Yeah. And they just don't want to be part of that culture saying we allowed people to scam people because there was a lot of scams happening. You oh, know? absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest factor. That's actually when it comes to SEC and all that. They usually get involved when it comes to people losing big money, you know? Yeah. I'm pretty sure people went and dumped their mortgages, you know? <laughs> Yeah, things like a lot that of those. Lost. Yeah, a so, lot of those ICOs. It's like, wow, like, you know, it's unbelievable how much money they were raising for, you know, something that didn't even exist. <laughs> yeah, and they're still doing it. So I think that's the reason they said, oh, you know what, we want to kind of make it harder for these guys who are who are scamming the system, you know. And I think that's where the big problem happened because they couldn't control it because there were scams happening left and right. If they could have controlled it, it would have been a little less because they would have put so many people behind bars, you know. Have you have you noticed more crypto companies coming to influencers now that that's happened? Uh, I've noticed I've been trying to, yeah. And that's something I stay away from personally myself, unless yeah. I know the founders, like, literally. Um, but I stay away from that, so I'm like, sorry, I can't endorse that. Because yeah. tomorrow you might not be around, and I'm going to look like an idiot for endorsing oh, you. Oh, totally, yeah. <laughs> it seems like a good rule of thumb. It seems like, you know, that's how it always should be. You should have to put your brand and your reputation behind whatever you're selling to the people who follow you. Yeah, because I plan on doing this for the rest of my life, you know, and then maybe handing it down to somebody or maybe selling it off in the future. Who knows, you know? So I want to make sure it stays reputable because people look up to us. Young kids yeah. are being influenced and inspired, you know, to do things with their lives. I want to put a positive message out there in the world. Yeah, no, and people people need someone to look to, I think, now more than ever, you know, especially on social media, that's where you are a lot of the day. Uh, you're going to want someone there kind of pushing you in the right direction, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's all about personality, but at the end of the day, the reason, you know, somebody becomes somebody on social media is because they have integrity, they have values, they have morals, they stand up for it, they put great information out in the world. And they connect with people. You know, those are some of the things you got to do. And, and I mean, and you have to be you. People are afraid of being themselves, you know. So, yeah, authenticity is key. Yeah, it's key. I mean, pe people are not celebrities because they look like somebody else. It's because of who they are, unique characters. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's, you know, that's why I got into entrepreneurship because, you know, I wanted to do something where I wasn't going to be censored. I didn't have to follow some employee handbook that someone else decided I had to yeah. follow. Yeah, you know? it's. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a lot more stressful, a lot more work. Oh yeah. But guess what? You get to create your own journey. You get to create your own schedules. You could be in Hawaii. You could be in Bahamas. You could be in St. Louis. You know, wherever the hell you want, doing whatever the hell you want with who, ever. <laughs> you know, it just gives you that freedom of not being bound to a certain time, location, or place. You know. Yeah, and I think that's that's what scares me about some of the censorship stuff on social media. So we're going to do an episode, I think on Monday, on uh, QAnon. I don't know if you've heard anything about QAnon, um, but it's it's like a 4chan leaker, essentially, who a lot of people think is Trump. Uh, and, you know, one thing I we really had to think about is if we put this out, we're, it's likely our SEO is going to be impacted um, it's something we've noticed with a lot of other people trying to put out similar content, uh, even, you know, like people like Alex Jones on YouTube, they see their stuff pushed out because they have the, 
you know, like you said, they don't have that many people looking over this stuff. So what they do is they have algorithms trying to figure out if you like pages that have also been linked to this thing. And uh, you get lumped into this black book of people who they've decided are, you know, no not good. someone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was something we worried about. But at the same time, you know, the whole reason we're doing this is so that we can do what we want and talk about what we want and get ideas out. Uh, so, of course, you know, we're doing it anyway. But it is interesting to see some of that happening and worrisome to me, I guess. Yeah, well, it's the culture, bud. But, it's, uh, uh, you're going to see things change real quick. That's yeah. social media. Trends change real quick. Things become cool. Things become irrelevant. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and so I guess... That's where we live at today. Yeah, and quicker than ever, too. You know, trends go in and out, you know, so fast. Just because information spreads so quickly now. <laughs> and that's changing. You know, everyone's on a much quicker timeline. Uh, as far as even the pace of news, you know, it used to be you'd have a news cycle uh, just on one story if something big happened. And now, you know, you're getting every, you know, 12 hours something big is happening or, you know, a yeah, few times changing, a day. Yeah, they're changing things up every single minute. And that's the culture, bro. Yeah, it, and because they're trying to keep people's attention. That's true. Yeah, it's much harder to get people engaged now because they have so many other options. Yeah, I got to be crazy in order to look for them to like stop and like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, and so you just get more and more people on the fringes, getting more and more exposure. And that's how so and it's the social media culture too. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess sort of one final question, uh, sort of looking through a lot of your posts, I guess uh, the focus, I guess, is so you'd say the focus is entrepreneurship, success. Um, a lot of like luxury lifestyle. Do you think most people getting into entrepreneurship, you know, really use the money as the, you know, the means of inspiration and motivation? And that's sort of what you're trying to cater to? Well, I mean, I don't know about the money part, but here, you know, I believe that every single one of us needs encouragement every day, you know, regardless yeah. of what the hell you're doing, whether you're a teacher, because we need teachers, we need firemen, we need, you know, police officers. Regardless of that, everybody needs inspiration, including entrepreneurs getting up, motivating themselves, you know. Uh, we're all going to have ups and downs regardless of what career we have. So, I mean, means of, I mean, if I'm going to make money motivating and inspiring people, I'm going to be hella happy in that area, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the thing is, it's a means of opportunity to connect with people. So, you know, the inspiration, motivation just opens door of engagement for me to talk about something else with certain people, like you, for example, you know. Yeah. Uh, just It just always opens doors. So, I mean, uh, that's about it, in a sense, you know? Yeah, no, that make. I mean, I guess thinking about it, the best way to do it is, you know, showing people that you can make lots of money doing what you love is really the key, I guess. Yeah, so well, you, you can. I mean, I, I went to an industry I had no knowledge about, but so if anybody's listening to this, you can accomplish anything you want in this life as long as you put your mind and heart to it, you know? And, put a, and be consistent and be relentless towards your pursuit. Yeah, you're going to have a little bit of sleepless nights, but hey, I did it for two years. You know, my, yeah. my schedule sucked. Yeah, exactly. I've been the doing 20-hour days for a while. Yeah, <laughs> my, my third year is when I started balancing my sleep back to normal. It was really hard, you know, because yeah. I was still used to going to sleep late. Yeah, you can't. I get... remember going to sleep when everybody was waking up. <laughs> yeah, I go to sleep from about 8 a.m. to noon these days. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not good. No. <laughs> That's not healthy, bro. But, so, you know, when you're, when you're waking up every day excited to do what you're going to do, it's almost like sleep feels like a nuisance, you know. I think that, that is the cool part. 
Yeah, well, because you're moving forward, man, and you're pursuing your you're pursuing something you're passionate about until exactly. it changes to something else, but you're still pursuing it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I think that's that's a great note to end on. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. If there's anything you wanted to close with, I'm gonna put all of your pages in the description for people to check them out. But if there's anything else, no, I just want to thank everybody who listened to this. You know this you know conversation we had i'm really thankful and i appreciate you guys and i appreciate you too mark for having me here uh, yeah you've been, you've been a blessing to me so uh, yeah if anybody has any questions around this conversation i know we can go a little deeper let them reach out to you mark and maybe we can do another conversation around the specific topics that they might be interested in yeah that sounds great all right thanks brother uh, i appreciate you yep and thanks for listening guys we'll be back with another episode soon